Smashing the Plateau. I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. What I've heard and what I would describe for myself is people kind of have to give themselves some time to cast about and recalibrate how they live their first half. Today on episode 86 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Stephanie Carter. Following a very accomplished career history as a general partner of a growth equity firm, while simultaneously advocating for military families and veterans as the wife of former Secretary of Defense Ash Carter, Stephanie decided it was time for her to go solo. She founded The Verse Media, a media platform designed and delivered by grown-ups for grown-ups, built on real talk, action-ready, beyond the masses tips, and original ideas. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on going solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Stephanie Carter. Stephanie is the founder of The Verse Media. She was formerly a general partner of growth equity firm ABS Capital Partners and is the wife of former Secretary of Defense Ash Carter. At ABS, she was responsible for raising $1.6 billion for the firm's funds, creating its investor relations function and leading all marketing event and investment research activities. In support of the Department of Defense, she advocated for military families and veterans. Stephanie was awarded the Distinguished Public Service Award by the Chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff in 2017. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, David. I'm super excited having listened to a bunch of these myself. And I'm really looking forward to our discussion today. And and to start off, you clearly have a very accomplished career history. And when you think back over your many years of service in various spheres, what comes to mind, particularly thinking about what you may be proud of? I think I'm extraordinarily proud of, I think, the work at my firm, ABS Capital. I joined their originally sort of through a friend as an administrative assistant and worked my way up to partner. And it was a very exciting time to be there because the field of venture capital was just taking off and we really were building the firm. And so a lot of the ideas that I would have for either, you know, having a conference of our CEOs or, you know, creating an investment research division, I was able to go from idea to implementation. And that was really exciting. And so I hope that the firm that I left two years ago is a much more institutionalized and professional place. And I know there are a lot of people there that I had a hand in bringing there. And so that's that's an enormous sense of pride. I think that all of us like to mentor people and see them do well. So that's a great legacy. And also, I'm, I'm really proud of everything I got to do when my husband was Secretary of Defense. It's a really exciting thing, and it's an enormous thing. It's a lot of responsibility, but I think being able to play a role in supporting him and supporting uh, military families and veterans. That was just really the icing on the cake. Yeah, and also, there are two different kinds of environments where in your own professional work, 
those are efforts that, that you're making on your own behalf and in support of what your husband was doing when he was Secretary of Defense. It's a very different kind of role. It is. I think the commonality is I am really a coach at heart. I really love seeing people achieve the best that they can achieve and reach new heights. And that's something I really care about for myself. I seek excellence in myself. I don't always achieve it. And we can talk about why uh, going out on my own has been humbling on that front. But I really like seeing people really hit their potential. And so I would say that I was having this great experience of seeing people that I had brought into the firm succeeding, seeing myself succeeding and reaching my potential. But at the same time, I used to say to people watching my husband do that job, a job that he had really trained for his whole life, was like watching Secretariat run the Kentucky Derby. It was what he was really born to do. And so anything I could do to support that was just enormously satisfying to see him take on what is, you know, a job that really comes along once in a lifetime. Oh, that's for sure. So, you know, now that you've kind of triggered the question, what is behind your founding of the Verse Media? So I think um, you and I had this discussion uh, when we first met, but I think that a lot of what never gets talked about is when you're sort of striving for excellence or striving upwards and climbing the ladder, no one tells you about you might get to a point where there's not a rung left for you to go up. And that was certainly the case. I was on the non-investing side of the firm, and that's just not who gets to run the firm. I got to be very involved in the management of the firm, but it was never going to be the top job. And I think at the same time, I thought maybe I'd go into a different field and go into something that I loved. I thought about sports. I thought about entertainment, two things that I'm really passionate about. But as I started talking with people and interviewing, it was really clear that they had no idea what to do with a 50-year-old experienced executive in front of them. If I had been 22, uh, I'm sure they would have had an entry program. And, and so I really was looking at kind of a lateral move of doing sort of the same types of activities, but doing it in a different field. And that didn't feel satisfying. And at the same time, I just really felt, why are we in this position where people that are 50 that have accumulated all this confidence and wisdom and knowledge can't find really great outlets for it? And I didn't really feel like I was finding in the content world sort of the advice and the, the thoughts of what I was seeking. And so I decided just, I guess, out of necessity to bet on me to create some of what was missing in the world. Yeah, and kudos to you for having the courage to do it proactively. I, you know, as you know from from listening to some of the episodes on this show, many of the people that we have on have discovered that you know, at age fifty plus, not only are they being challenged to find an outlet for their wisdom, their creativity, their experience, and all the skills that they've built up over several decades of work but they often get pushed out of a role and then they have great difficulty even trying to replace that role at another organization. 
Yeah, I think it's a huge issue and what a waste, what a waste of wisdom and experience. And I don't know when we're going to find this out or companies are going to realize. I know that, um, I don't know if you've ever read Chip Conley, Wisdom at Work. He's very passionate on this subject and he's 100% right why we haven't thought of this. But I think it is just this kind of system that you and I are talking about. You're going up this mountain and then you get to the top and it's either jump or, you know, roll back downhill. I think for- Or or get pushed off. (laughs) Get pushed off. Yeah. It, It could be a whole, yeah, Lord of the Flies type of thing. But, you know, I think for me, I always say this, I was a really big Kobe Bryant fan and, um, it's kind of, ironic that I invoked him in our first newsletter, which was also the day of the first event that we ever held. And he died on that day. But I always thought that his dear basketball letter, and um, for people not familiar, you can just Google it and you can watch his great Oscar winning little short movie about it. But he basically was saying, I'm ready to go while you and I can still enjoy it. And that's what I really felt is I wanted to leave on top. I wanted to leave with um, my replacement in a great spot to take over, but I didn't want it to happen to me. And I think what's really unfortunate right now, if, as we think about this past year that we've had, I think it's it's going to be happening to a lot of people. And, and I hope people like certainly you with all your wonderful work, but I hope people like me can be there to help. Mm. So what's the primary purpose behind the Verse Media? I think it is to create a blueprint. I like to say we create a playbook for your second half, that it's only halftime when you're 50. And that's certainly something people are realizing. And I've heard it in so many of the episodes you've done. But It is to give people the inspiration, the tools, the confidence and action ready advice to seize this time in their life with optimism. And, um, you know, I take a place of not being the aspiration. I'm right there along with our readers, figuring it out myself. But I'm sort of saying I'm five feet ahead of you on the hike. And I can tell you when you're going to trip over a branch or, you know, you're going to hit a rock. But I think it's really to help people look at this stage of their life with optimism and seize the opportunities. I mean, on one hand, the world is wide open for you at this age. If we get past what you and I are talking about, the ageism of corporate America and other things. But when you already know some stuff and you have a self-possession, it is wide open, but I think that can be daunting as well, seeing all that white space. And you know what I've heard and what I would describe for myself is people kind of have to give themselves some time to cast about and recalibrate how they live their first half and how they wanna live their second half. It can definitely be very overwhelming to see what the possibilities are, and especially if you need to use uh, different skills to be able to build whatever it is that you're trying to do, that can be quite daunting. You're quite right. Yeah, 
And it was for me. And I think the gift I gave myself was to try to figure it out while I still was in a job. Because I think, you know, that's if you think that you'll think about it when you leave, sometimes that just really overwhelms you because you're already going to be. I mean, it was hard going from being part of a team to being by myself to go from where I had absolute mastery to I'm right back in grasshopper land right now. And so I think it, it, it is really daunting. And I think anything you can do to kind of, and I hope the verse is a source of that. And I know your podcast is a source of that, that anything we can do to sort of blunt the, the, <laughs> the disorientation that comes with all that, I think will be helpful for people. Mm. So what has felt humbling to you as part of this process? I think that I'm a beginner again. And the endeavor that I've started, a media company, there are a lot of things I don't know. I don't know how to do. We deliver a newsletter bi-monthly and I sort of lack the lexicon to even direct the people that were working with me, the vendors I had working with me, because I didn't know the capabilities of MailChimp or I didn't know the capabilities of Squarespace. And so I've really, I mean, thank the Lord for YouTube. I've had to go watch a bunch of videos and try to understand how these different things work. And you just realize that, you know, when you're in a place of management, you haven't been in the engine room in a while. And so there would be things that felt like they would, you know, making a social media post on Canva would feel like it takes, you know, 20 minutes. And I would be really hard on myself and say, oh my God, like I'm so unproductive. I think the other epiphany that I had is I was approaching this job with the work style that I had in my last job. And my last job was of course with a a bigger team and it was very reliant on email and you know, that kind of, I I mean, I could go on about how little I like email, but, you know, that kind of random reinforcement where you're replying to people all the time and it feels rush, rush and go, go. And that isn't going to lead to productivity in what I'm doing now, because I need to be creative and I need to write. And I can't write if I'm, you know, being distracted by an email every three minutes. And in reality, I'm not managing really a big team anymore. So there's no need that I need to see an email right away. So I think I've had to rewire the whole way that I work. That's fascinating. So what what are some of the things you've changed in your work style? These Some of these have been recent changes. Uh, one is that I do the hardest thing first, which is usually writing. And I think that I had this idea that if I go squirrel away in my email, and I get my email clear and get the decks clear that then my mind would open up to write. And it's really quite the opposite. So I have gone to really checking my email twice a day and not stressing about that. And I think the other thing is I've started a friend and person that I work with who's a writer does this thing called morning pages where you just get up when you get up in the morning before I exercise, I'll write three pages longhand, no matter what it is. Like it could be total stream of consciousness, uh, Jack Kerouac type of stuff. But the point is to just 
to just write and to not hold up a kind of feeling of perfection, but really to give myself more time that my brain is, that you're allowed to have those kind of shower moments where you get a new idea and you're allowed to think. And I'm sure you agree. I mean, in a lot of businesses, we're really undervaluing thinking and we're not giving people time to think and we're making them respond to things all day. I mean, luckily my workplace didn't use Slack, but I think I would go crazy with that. And so I think that's, those have been some major changes, but it dawned on me, why was I taking an approach to what is radically different work and applying an old, just what I know and what I'm comfortable with. And that was a big epiphany for me. Um, yeah, that's a sea change. So now, now looking at what you're actually doing with the verse media, mm-hmm. who's your primary audience? It is everybody 40 plus. We say it's for grown up by grown ups for grown ups, and so we started out. I thought I was going to. I started it with the intention of it being for women forty plus. And a funny thing happened when I learned how to go into our Mailchimp metrics. <laughs> and forty percent of our readership. I mean, opening it and reading it, and what the it is. I'm sorry, is a bi monthly newsletter. Were men, and it dawned on me there's no reason this should just be for women. I mean, I was writing from what I know better, but I think all of us are in this this boat together. And that made me really happy that even when I wasn't targeting them, men were finding really some use in what we were saying. And I think where we go from here is, you know, we are just kind of getting our readership up and sort of breaking some new ground. But where we go from here is various events. We've had a couple of virtual events, but I think people are a little tired right now. We had a great in-person event before we all got locked down. But that's where I want to go next is, is actually bringing in all sorts of people that can actually help people condense what, for me, was two years of work in finding what I wanted to do next. I, I mean, it it takes some time. Like I liked, you know, you've heard me say it's only halftime, but the ritual of halftime is really so you can stop and think about how you played the first half and you can think about what is going to serve you in the second half to theoretically win the game. And I think that people need to give themselves that halftime and there needs to be more workshops and ways to structure that to to help them jumpstart that action. And we're incredibly action-oriented. We don't really write about something, and we write about a range of things. Our last newsletter was about having a better Black History Month and some of the resources that have been helping us relearn, unlearn, etc. And it can be everything from that to actually telling inspiring stories of late bloomers or career reinventions. Uh, We featured a woman who in her forties went to DJ school after, (laughs) you know, really never having done it. And now she's like a top DJ and is the DJ for the today show. And so we, I really like stories like that because I found them incredibly inspiring and all the stuff you do on going solo. I find that really inspiring to get your juices flowing, to think about what's possible. And then hopefully we can give people 
a lot of action items and ways to jumpstart thinking about where they want to go next. Stephanie, let's talk about this um, this halftime pause yeah. that, that you just described. Experiencing what you have now gone through and and given the kind of content that you produce, what advice would you have for someone who is approaching a uh, either approaching or in a major transition, either by design or by circumstance, where they need to be proactive, you know, like like you've done, like I've done by be doing something entrepreneurial as the next phase. You know, in some cases, folks are trying to do something in the next phase where it's an employer-employee relationship. Mm-hmm. But in both cases, it's a, a major shift in both what they're doing, how they're perceived, where their focus gets implemented. What kind of advice do you have for people to figure out how to do this in the most effective way possible? Yeah, I mean, I should say that I am lucky in that I was able to kind of call the shots and do this proactively. And I certainly respect and talk to a lot of people who have not gotten to call the shots, but I still... Well, in terms of the timing, they may not get to call the shots, but in terms of what what they do, like if they discover that all of a sudden they're unemployed. Yeah. Once they're unemployed, they actually do have control to decide what to do next. There are clearly there are financial implications and there may be pressures to try to bring in income as quickly as possible. But still, the actual decision about what to do is still yours to make. Absolutely. And that brings me to my first point is that in any of these situations, you have agency. And you need to, especially when something has happened that was not of your doing, you need to regain that agency as quickly as possible, even if that's jotting down things that you control and things you don't control. I used to have to raise funds for our firm, and that is a control freak's worst nightmare because you're entirely at the whim of the market and at the whim of other people. And when it would get hard, that's what I would do. I would sit down and remind myself what I could control and am I working on the things I can control and what I can't control. And we actually took that to a different place in an online event we did this, this summer, which is utilizing a military planning strategy called planning backwards and having people think about where they want to be in some time certain and what are all the things they would need to do in order to be prepared for that and so where the military part is is if you think about d-day they had very few days that they could actually launch an offensive on the coast of france because of weather and tides and a bunch of other reasons and so they really had to start with that date in mind and work backwards from there And could they ultimately control the weather? Actually, they had to delay a day. Or could they control other things? No, the element of surprise was the other factor. But in that same way, you have to focus on what you can control. So you don't know if people are going to be hiring in a couple months, but that's no reason that you can't have your LinkedIn as up to speed and and as compelling as possible. You know, 
resumes, which I think are a little bit ridiculous, but I guess you have to have one. I avoided having one. I kind of made a branding presentation about myself when I was initially talking to people in the sports and entertainment world, you know, making connections, you know, having virtual coffee, all those things you still control. So I would say to people, you know, accept that you still have a fair amount of control and get to working on what you have control over. I know that that sounds really great. I know it's hard to pull off, but if you can keep pulling yourself back to the things you actually control, that should give you plenty to work on, I feel. I would be interested in in your reflections. You've been kind of seeing people in this state for a long time and coaching them and, and telling their stories. I couldn't agree with you more. Focusing on what you can control and then having the discipline and perseverance to see it through long enough so that you start to see results. Because one of the things that's really hard, especially when you're going solo, is that there's an element of kind of emotional loneliness. And mm-hmm. so your your mind can play tricks on you and it gets really hard to have the the discipline and perseverance to keep working on something that where you do have control, but to work on it in a focused way for a long enough period of time to see results. And the way I like to describe it is we all become enamored of breakthroughs. And reality is that a breakthrough is when somebody else notices what (laughs) you've been doing for probably hundreds, if not thousands of steps and small pivots. So think about what it takes to have the perseverance to follow through on all these steps and small pivots so that you can generate the kind of results that other people will notice. That's the hard part. Yeah, I mean, I think we weigh under celebrate incremental steps and change. You know, we focus on these stories that are really sort of fantasies about you know, people having these epiphanies and, you know, things just going up into the right from there. And we, another thing I would advise, and we wrote an article about this on the verse, is I've always built a cabinet. And so when you know things are going to be tough, you know, I know it's a more popular concept in business now, but the idea of knowing who is the person who always tells you the truth and can give you hard, you know, tough love, hard realities. Who's the person that makes you laugh? Who's the person that really lifts you up? And really thinking about who these people are in your life and making sure that you know that you can convene with them when you're going through a challenge. You know, of course, you know, thinking about what you need in that moment. You know, do you need your kind of unconditional love and cheerleader? Do you need someone to kind of reflect some things back to you? Do you need someone who is just going to have you in stitches on the floor? I think it's really worth thinking about who those people are and who you, we all know these relationships, right? The people you feel like you would have paid them a hundred dollars for the hour they spent on the phone with you. They're, they're just invaluable. And you know that, and I think you got to circle the wagons when you're going through something like that, because, you know, I'm a person that has a hard time saying I need help, but boy, I've had to utilize that line (laughs) a lot more in the last year. And I think it's good to 
to know who you're going to go to and, and what purpose they really fill for you. That is so well said. Well, Stephanie, congratulations on having the courage and tenacity to launch the Verse Media. I'm looking forward to learning how everything continues to unfold for you. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed, access any resources you have, of course, check out what you're producing. Where's the best place to go? To our website, www.theversemedia.com. I think that's the best place. Sounds great. Well, my guest today has been the founder and CEO of The Verse Media, Stephanie Carter. Stephanie, thank you again for joining us. Thank you for having me, David. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Today, we learned how to have the courage and tenacity for a new venture after many years of corporate success and much more. If you'd like to share your story on going solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them learn how to build a successful business after a late career job loss. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.